This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grosso, Bono and Ison, Jeff Mills, and Pete Najarian. Tonight on Fast, the Charmaster says it is time to pull the plug on the energy trade. Why Carter Worth sees trouble in the charts for this week's big winner. Plus, a handful of names breaking out to new 52-week highs in today's rally. So should you stick with these trades or fade these big moves? And later, shares of Virgin Galactic losing some serious altitude. We'll tell you what sent this high-flying stock crashing back to earth. But we start off with a big rally to end a wild week. Stocks surging into the close with all three major averages gaining more than one and a half percent. Every single S&P sector posting gains led by energy. And check out the tail of the tape on the S&P 500. The index started the day in the green, lost some steam throughout the morning to bottom out at around 11 a.m. Fires came in then strong and it was off to the races. S&P 500 rallying throughout the afternoon to close up nearly 2%. The range intraday, 120 points. So what drove the bounce back? Grasso, what do you say? Uh, Well, I only heard a little bit of your question, but I'm going to roll with whatever I think I know about the market right now because I have a sneaky suspicion you're asking me about the market volatility. So basically what we've seen is that switch uh, between value and growth and, and coming, out of, uh, coming out of growth and into value. It's all about rates, Melissa. So right now, everyone is knee-jerk reaction. What do they own? What is leverage to rates? And where do they think the market's going? So I think that the machines or the algorithms are really taking over to a large extent because anything that is levered to a rate issue, which is all of tech, <laughs> don't want to buy tech. And, and the problem is, I, I mentioned it last, uh, last time I was on, a company like a Walmart or a Costco, they also uh, are levered to rates. They, train like, they trade like bonds. So when you think you're in a quasi-safe position with a Walmart or a Costco, you aren't really in that safe of a position because their, their cost of goods is going higher. They cannot pass on those cost increases. And think about who buys their stuff you're not going to be able to raise prices on that income bracket, no matter where it is, because that income bracket and everyone's income bracket is spending more on gasoline and the rest of the uh, goods that they, they are charged at the grocery store, at the gas pump and everything else. So people think you're safe in tech. People think you're safe in quasi-tech. You're not safe unless you're investing in value right now. Feeling a little predictable if you can answer a question you couldn't hear from me, Steve. Um, but I'll go to I'll go to Jeff Mills here uh, because today one five six on the ten year yield was okay. Yesterday one five six or thereabouts was not okay. So what has happened? Yeah, that's why I think, as Steve said, it is a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. You know, rates spiked and then they fell back down, so the market rally doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I don't know that those particular levels are, are meaningful. But Steve and I have been singing off the same sheet of music for a while, um, so I agree that you want to be in the value trade. But there was an interesting bifurcation even within tech and within growth today. You have the, the speculative names uh, the story stocks, th- those types of companies that really haven't cooled off yet. So if you look at the charts of, of Twitter or Snap or Tesla 
or even companies like PayPal and Square, you know, they still have some room to come down. And interestingly, they didn't participate very much in the rally today. I think if you look at Fang, for example, so take Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and Netflix, for example. These are stocks that haven't gone anywhere for probably about six months. They're approaching technical support. So if I was looking in growth or tech, I would certainly rather be there. But I would just generally fight the inclination to be too negative more broadly. You know, I'm hearing comparisons to to 2000 because this is a, you know, a Fed driven market, a tech driven market, retails involved. There are high valuations, all of these things. But the Fed is a major difference. And it's fashionable to, to hate on the Fed. And I understand why. But they were hiking rates in 99. The yield curve eventually inverted. Um, right now, the S&P 500 earnings yield is 540 basis points above real bond yields. We talked about real bond yields a little bit last week. I think that's important. And lastly, this is a much more broad market than what you had in 2000. In 2000, around the peak, you had 35% of stocks trading above the 200-day moving average. That's been like 85 or 90 now. So again, I think that's a pretty decent setup, even if we have some volatility over the next coming weeks. Yeah, Bono and Jeff was mentioning how the FANG stocks, the larger cap, big cap tech stocks, did pretty well. And, and they haven't done anything basically since last fall, but maybe in this environment, that's sort of the trade you want. I mean, is that is that how we should be looking at some of these names? Because while they didn't participate too much of to the upside today, they also didn't participate too much of to the downside yesterday when the whole market was caught up in that swoosh lower. Yeah, my man, the general, we are definitely in harmony here. Um, I like what I'm hearing. So, yes, there, there is that bifurcation or delineation between the hyper growth pre-revenue, I feel like a broken record here, and the FANG stocks, which are strong leading companies. You know, and, and speaking to the balance, like yes, it definitely has to do with yields and particularly where we started with yields, right? In this particular instance, we were higher and came lower and the perception around that and the volatility of that is what's leading to that bounce. But technology also bounced off the lows, which leads me to my point, which, which is it's hard to be constructive on the market and terribly bearish technology. The value sectors aren't going to realize the same multiple expansion that technology sectors, growth sectors are going, are going to. And what you're seeing is that, yes, they, that you aren't seeing the same volatility in the FANG stocks that you are in other pockets of the growth sector. And that should be the case, which speaks to the fact that there is some safety to be found there, even in a tumultuous market. It's all about relative value. Now, the guys are talking about the rotation out of growth into value, and I would have had to be hiding under a rock tonight to not see that. But in terms of where the real opportunity is to get short or for there to be major reversals in names, that is going to be further out the risk curve, and I think that's precisely what you're seeing in the market. There's a lot of harmony and singing off the same page of music here going on uh, tonight. Pete, so where do you stand on all this? And what have you been doing this week? Because you're a really active trader. I mean, in and out, in and out, in and I out. Have, so, so, so what have you been doing? Mel, it's never been better. How about that? I'll give you that. Now, I'll say this. It started, it started in November. November, December, January, February. We get into March. It's been absolutely crazy. We traded 54 million contracts in the option markets just yesterday. It looks like we traded about 52 million today. So this is my kind of market. We've got enough volatility to make it interesting. The only pushback I'll have is I can't stand the phrase value. So I'm going to say quality. And when I say that, Mel, what I mean by that is take a look at what happened with the Dow today. Basically, that give or take close to 800 points it flipped from the absolute lows to the absolute highs. The, the run was semiconductors. Well, you got Intel. You got energy. You got Chevron. 
you got technology, you got Cisco, you got IBM, you've got all of these different areas of the market were getting um, the, the moves to the upside. And so you look at all these names, then you look over at the semiconductors and you see quality names, you've got great balance sheets, you've got PEs that are under 20 for many of these names, and XPI and, and alike, and there are so many more, Micron. And, and I think that's what we were seeing today was that rotation out of, and we've continued to see a little bit more and more of this acceleration of, because those names didn't really pop much, but the no PE or triple-digit, quadruple-digit PE-type names are definitely right now under pressure. doesn't mean it's going to last forever, but it certainly is part of that rotation that we're seeing. And we saw the names today that really people want to be in. And I'll tell you what, look at the flip you got out of a Target. Look at the flip that you got out of a lot of the quality names that were getting sold off for the reasons of everything was being sold, mm -hmm. right? We had the Dow down, we had the NASDAQ down, we had the S&P down, and then suddenly we started to wake up and say, you know what? Not every one of these companies needs to be sold, and that's what it looked like today. So, so they what, went after the quality names, and those moved to the upside. Yeah. What was your, Pete, uh, highest conviction trade of the week, and what day did you do it on? Uh, well, it's been energy for me for a while, Mel, mm -hmm. energy and some materials, but energy's been absolutely a, a, a freak show. And I'm, I, I bought ExxonMobil calls on Monday. I was out by Wednesday. I got Chevron calls on Tuesday. I was out by Wednesday afternoon. I just continue to trade all of these because I like the energy story, and, and I know we're going to hear uh, more about it in a second from the chart master. But the reality is this run started at 38 or 35 bucks back in November. And now here we are, we're looking at $66 for crude. So it makes some sense that the energy trade would work as well as it has, but it's the beta names that have really been yeah. sprinting to the upside, Mel. So that next tier of energy, that's what's really explosive. So I continue to buy and trade those names throughout the week. By the way, real quick, I'll just tell you this. The S&P, the spider calls today that got bought at 12.15 today, literally was the turning point in the market. It was absolutely incredible as they bought March calls in the spider and they bought about 20,000 of these and amazing just how fast the market spun right when we got that hit. Wow. Uh, let's drill down on energy. It was the best performing sector this week, gained 10 percent. But the chart master says the energy rally may be running out of juice. So let's get to Car uh, Cornerstone Macros. Carter Worth. Carter, take it away. Well, just what you heard, I mean, there's a reason that a, a great trader would enter and then exit. Twice, Pete uh, made the case that if, if he really wanted to stay for a long duration, he would have stayed. But the point is, sometimes things get a little hot and it's right to harvest gains. The energy move is a little hot. In fact, before we look at the charts, consider this. February 4th, 5th, one month ago, energy was the exact same price it was at its 09 low. I mean, 10 plus years as a donut, nothing. And we've come to life in a big way, but we're so far off the low, best performing sector since the March low now, a year ago, up 120%. It's a little steep, I think you fade it. So take a look at uh, four charts, and they're all the same chart, just different time frame. So here is XLE, the ETF that captures the sector. No annotations or judgments by me. Second chart. Now I've drawn a line. It's a, it's a simple exercise of figuring out where overhead supply comes into play, where people who have shares from a higher up level, having lost a lot of money but retained it, are interested in recouping losses. You're back to that line. Now look at the same chart taken back a bit further. Same line. And then the final chart taken back all the way to 2010. After breaking sharply from well-defined lows and one of the most epic breaks on record, you rally all the way back to, quote, the scene of the crime, the point where um, people who have now 
had their money returned to them, become interested sellers. And remember, that's only half the supply. Supply from above, wow, I got my money back, I've broken even. But there's supply from below, people who bought well one hour ago or one, two, three, four months ago. Huge gains. They think they might book it, just as we heard that Pete might exit a trade having made some money. Yeah, XLE is mostly the integrated, Carter. So is there a differentiation in your view between the chart of the XLE versus the chart of, say, XOP or, or some other energy index? They all have their different characteristics, mm -hmm. XOP being a sort of higher beta, obviously Schlumberger and Halliburton in the OIH. Uh, and we do know Exxon and Chevron half the way the entire sector. And the entire sector is only 3% of the S&P. It, it's mm -hmm. a, a very in-play thing. But I'd end with this. Um, Amazon, Apple, Google, they were loved. Now they're hated. Financials were hated. Now they're loved. This is a little too loved right now. Okay. Carter, thank you. Carter Worth, we'll see you in a few minutes on Options Action. Jeff Mills, where do you stand on energy? Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely understand what Carter's saying, and that 60 on the S, uh, XLE is, uh, is going to be resistance most likely, but at the same time, that's 13% above where we are right now. So I think you have a reasonably clear path there. And if you're taking a little bit of a longer view, and maybe you want to talk about specific names, I mean, I've mentioned EOG a number of times on the show. You know, it's up 50% this year. There, that's, a, that's a big move. So perhaps people are going to take profits, but that's still half of where it was at the 2018 highs. So I think there is an opportunity for multiples to re-rate a little bit. You had OPEC decide it was not going to increase supply. It doesn't look like they're going to do that anytime soon. So if you have a little resistant at resistance at that previous floor, um, I still think you can move higher. Grasso, do you have an energy name you like? I yes, I, I think I'm going to stick consistently with XLE. I think you have 20 percent uh, to the upside. So, and, and I think you could probably get there fairly quickly. Let's remember we have a, a stimulus getting done. B, no one is even talking about an infrastructure plan. Granted, that's coming. Uh, if it if you can get the votes for it, it's eventually going to be coming in the summer. That's going to be huge for energy. Now think about something else. Every quantitative model that the market has seen has always sold, I'm sorry, Pete, sold value, bought, bought technology. <laughs> but I get what Pete's saying about what is really value. So just think about this. That modeling is probably going to be turned on its head. What I mean by that is that they're going to be selling technology, buying value. So everyone's going to have to scratch their head on this show when all of a sudden energy, industrials, materials, chemicals actually become momentum names. And they're going to be a much larger position than 3% of the overall indice. That was a very nice way of saying Carter's wrong in your view. <laughs> Coming up, Houston, we have a problem. Shares of Virgin Galactic crashing back to Earth today. We'll break down the big move lower. Plus, it's not a fast money Friday without a good old game, a trade it or fade it. We are diving into a handful of stocks touching 52-week highs. We got the names and the trades when fast money returns. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fast Money. We're closing out a volatile week for stocks, but there were a handful of names that racked up some gains. Gap, American Express, Oracle, Viacom, CBS, all hitting 52-week highs. So if you own these names, what should, do, what should you do with them now? What better way to find out than a game of... Trade it or fade it! That's right. Trade it or fade it. So we start off with Viacom more than tripling over the past year. Petey, what do you say? I think it was not loved enough, Mel, uh, over a year ago, and it finally started to get some of that love, and that's why it's been moving to the upside. And I also look at this company, and I think to myself, it feels like Disney. It feels a little bit like Netflix in a way because of the fact of how they're moving towards the streaming world. And there are analysts out there who think the streaming world actually could, for Viacom at least, be worth what the stock is already by itself. So $44 million added to the $44 billion of the company itself. When you look over at Netflix and you see the valuation and you see the market cap and it's trading somewhere above 200 plus billion, it really does make you start to wonder, is there more room to the upside? I happen to think that there is, so I'm pretty bullish on this stock still. Jeff, you disagree? Yeah, so it's funny Pete mentioned Disney. We actually used the recent move to trade out of Viacom into Disney. We just think Disney's better positioned to to capture some of this direct-to-consumer. You know, the landscape seems to be shifting in that direction. I think Viacom, at least it has been a possible acquisition target for someone who's looking to bolster their content library. So I think that's the major upside, at least from current prices. And right now, just you know, at 100% above its 200-day moving average at 18 times forward earnings, uh, just think it's too expensive for what it is. All right, let's move on. Talk about the gap. The stock jumping after its earnings report yesterday. It's now more than double where it was a year ago. So trade it or fade it. Bono in. I'm fading it. And you, like you said, it's just doubled. So if you look at uh, Ford PE, it's 21 times. Compare that to about 11 times its five-year average. So it's about t- 2x that. It's got five times more debt now than it did pre-pandemic. Recent revenues were light. However, there seems to be this uh, euphoria around possible growth prospects of revenue around that. And I really think that that's already reflected in the multiple. Um, And then if you look at the price action, look how that stock tested 28 and then quickly reversed, uh, even in a market that was kind of being buoyed. So I'm fading it. Steve. Yeah, I I don't discount anything that Bono and said. But if you look at gross margins, those are increasing. If you look at the crown jewels inside Gap, it's Old Navy, it's Athleta, it's Athleta, and those are going to gain market share in 2021. It is overbought, slightly overbought on an RSI. I'm sorry, did I not say trade it? So it is slightly overbought on an RSI. It registers around a 72. That probably means it takes a step back a little bit. But I do think you're going to see revisions in uh, upward revisions in EPS, same way that Morgan Stanley just put out a note saying that you, you might see that going forward. And that's led to a bunch of price target increases across the street. And I think usually with these type of stocks, they run it as a magnet towards those price targets. So I'll say trade it. But if you want another one to trade Abercrombie, I know I'm breaking the rules. It's a game within a game. A game within a game does not yep. fly, Grasso. And you didn't play the first game right to begin with. Anyway, I'm going to move on. There's too much time spent on Grasso tonight. American Express up nearly 30% over the past year. Pete, what do you say? 
I'm going to have to fade this one, Mel. And this is a stock that I owned until very, very recently, and I got out of it. But when I, when I look what American Express has done, they've done absolutely everything right. But the one reason that I owned the stock rather than something like uh, you know Visa or whatever was the fact that it was trading at single-digit or very, very low uh, double-digit P.E. levels. Well, shoot, now you're looking at it. It's trading at a, where it is presently at about 37. You look at the forward, it's still trading at about 22. This is the highest level right now of P.E. in the last decade. So I love the company, but I think it's a little bit stretched, and I'm waiting for it to pull back. Finally, Westrock. We go to Steve Grasso, who's been a fan of this name. Steve. I've owned this one forever. I, I still own it. I believe it's really starting to hit its stride right now. You have to look at what uh, corrugated packaging prices are going to do. So for me, you look at this, it's probably going to be raised, uh, corrugated pricing raised into 2021. We've already seen raises. That means it's going higher. China cannot produce their own corrugated packaging due to environmental concerns, so they have to import. So for me, this is a trade. I'm staying long. I think the value of this stock is over 100, so I'm a buyer here, and I'm staying long. Jeff, you also like this one? Yeah, I do. You know, I just think it's really well positioned to capitalize on the e-commerce boom, the increase in shipping volumes. I mean, you hear what companies like FedEx are saying about volumes, where they are today and where they're likely to stay. Uh, I also do think it's interesting that the company appears, you know, very conscious of sustainability and ESG issues. I think that's generally going to be a tailwind for companies here going forward. Uh, and I agree with Steve on the valuation. You know, at, at 13 times forward sales, uh, forward earnings, excuse me, and less than one times forward sales, uh, I definitely think it has a lot of room here. All right, coming up, Virgin Galactic losing some serious altitude. We'll tell you what sent this stock falling another 10% today. And later, we're going shopping for opportunity in the options market, the one home retailer that could be on the brink of a breakout. All that and more. Stay with us. Fast Money's back in two. Major Besco for Virgin Galactic shares sinking nearly 10% after Chairman Chamath Palihapitiya sold the rest of his personal stake in the company. Virgin Galactic falling nearly 27% this week. We should note that he still owns owns about 15 million shares through a SPAC in which he has invested. Pete, you actually traded this one. Yeah, and I own the stock still, Mel. I, you know, it's been a great trader for me, and part of the reason is that uh, as option people, and you know that I am, um, the implied volatility for this is now down to 150. So it's still extremely high. The amount of premium you're able to get selling against your stock position, I've owned the stock for almost a year now, and I've, col- I've collected enough to be able to almost own this for free. So mm. I continue to own on the stock, and I'll continue to sell calls. Quick final trade, Bonoan. XLF, single-digit to to low double-digit valuations. Jeff Mills. Live Nation just broke out. It's going higher. Steve Grasso. BFT, this one's going aggressively higher very soon. Pete Najarian. Western Digital, it's hot. It's going higher. That does it for us. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.